0: This broadcast is rated PG-13 for prolonged sequences of coherent sentences, strong opinions, mind-blowing factual analysis, minor language, and hardcore
1: roasting. Some material may be inappropriate for fragile presidents. Whiny baby strongly cautioned. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the realist fake news show of all time. My name is Paul, and I'm here because Mitch McConnell makes me mad with his sneaky turtle face. And my name is Glenn, because same. And together we make PG-13 your favorite NSFW news podcast in the entire Western Hemisphere.
0: NSFW meaning not safe for Washington, of course. And make sure to follow us on
1: Twitter at PG-13 Podcast. And like us on Facebook to join in our discussions. So pay your insurance premiums and make sure you don't have any pre-existing conditions because it's about to go down.
0: So, Paul, Mitch McConnell, the Turtleman, wants the U.S. Senate to vote on the new health care bill that was just unveiled a couple days ago that we heard nothing about um, for a couple, about a month, actually, uh, since the House bill was passed. It was just unveiled. Now tell us what we need to know.
1: All right. So I was actually perusing the Internet, looking for some nice information about that. And I came across, you know, Chris Murphy did a good did some good work. Suzanne Collins did some good work. And I actually found a really good breakdown in an article posted by NPR. Uh, so we're going to go through some of the differences, uh, highlighting the differences between Obamacare and the new Senate bill. We're going to ignore what the House proposed because at this point in time, it's, it's irrelevant now that it's made it up to the Senate. Uh, but go check out NPR's article. It's called Chart Who Wins, Who Loses with the Senate Healthcare Care Bill. Uh, the first thing in the article is um, one of the creepiest pictures of Mitch McConnell I've ever seen. So good choice, NPR. So <laughs> solid portrayal of the man. Um, and so we're going to compare and contrast for different age demographics and uh, pre-existing condition demographics for people under the Affordable Care Act and the new Senate draft. So good news, um, I suppose, if, if there's going to be any good news to be had in the health care bill here, is um, any people under 26 uh, under the Affordable Care Act, you can get insurance through a parent's plan or buy independently. Uh, under the Senate draft, there's no change, um, you know, so for any of those, of those of you who are currently sitting under your parents' insurance, you know, like my demographic and Glenn's demographic you know you still get insurance the quality of the insurance is what we're talking about here uh, and what's probably going to decline if this bill is passed but you know you still get to be included on your family's health insurance until you're 26 so you don't have to pay those premiums until that point
0: point. and I hope I hope you enjoy that because it only gets worse from there
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's good news uh, we're going to do good news first because then the rest of it's mostly bad news um, adults under 65 under the Affordable Care Act, uh, they can buy insurance on health exchanges with tax credits and subsidies if they meet income requirements up to 400% of poverty level. Uh, cost of insurance based on tobacco use and age, with people nearing 65 paying no more than three times what the youngest pay. Um, so a lot of people have been just, I want to stop there real quick. So a lot of people had been criticizing the new Republican bill for you know discriminating based on age. That's not a new thing. Um, healthcare premiums have been higher for older people for a long time which is reasonable I mean you're more likely to experience health problems as you get older so you know you contribute more to your health insurance that's expected Um, the problem though um, is that with the new bill uh, they've upped that to five times more than what people would have paid before so Obamacare would let you pay up to three times more the closer you get to 65 based on tobacco use and and such and such Uh, now you can pay up to five times more Um, and for, for personally for my home state Uh, in Maine, that becomes a problem uh, because as you get up to and over the 65 range, they're estimating that that's going to cost the average person about $9,000 more, which would move their total uh, income allocation for health care up to 31% of their total budget, which as you can understand, becomes a major problem. In terms of the Senate draft, uh, subsidies to help pay for insurance would end at at incomes of 350% of the poverty level with adults from 59 to 64 paying up to 16.2% of their income. Depends on where you live, obviously. Uh, Medicaid would be cut starting in 2021, but you can keep on Medicaid if you have it until that point.
0: And that's just part of a larger Medicaid phase-out that, um, first of all, the the bill guts the Medicaid expansion that Obamacare was working on mm-hmm. uh, establishing. mm and it also starts rolling back Medicare subsidies from the federal government starting in a certain year, depending on where you live.
1: Right. Uh, in terms of low-income nursing home residents, uh, skilled nursing, uh, this is under Obamacare, skilled nursing is covered for up to 100 days of nursing home uh, Medicaid available based on your income. Now, under the Senate draft, uh, you still get skilled nursing care covered uh, by Medicare up to 100 days. Uh, Medicaid coverage for long-term care, however, could be cut Um but as as the republicans do you know typically really enjoy uh, implementing is the fact that states can choose but they don't really give states a whole lot of choice here because medicaid coverage and medicaid Subsidies are being drastically cut in this bill. So what the Republicans are allowing for, uh, the way that they phrase it, is Medicaid coverage for long-term care could be cut as federal payments to states decline. So states aren't really going to be given much of a choice. They're going to have to stop providing services because they don't have the money. So it's not really state choice. It's indirectly mandated choices made. So now we get to the really interesting part with uh, people with pre-existing medical conditions. Under Obamacare is pretty clear-cut, plain and simple. Coverage cannot be denied or cost more. For people who have pre-existing conditions, there was no, no fuzz on that one, as as James Comey likes to say it, you know, uh, no fuzz on that, no changes, no discrimination based on pre-existing conditions. The Republicans feel slightly differently, uh, and when I say slightly, I mean very much so. Um, insurance companies would be required to accept all applicants regardless of health status, so that you have they can't not give you insurance, but. The bill draft would let states ask permission to reduce the required coverage, uh, which is referred to as essential health benefits, which would give insurers some discretion over what they offer and possibly change what they can charge. So basically what that, what that means is that you, you know they're not allowing people to not get insurance for pre-existing conditions, but depending on how many or how severe your pre-existing condition is, if insurance companies don't want to deal with you, they can ask the federal government to not give you those expensive services, which... The way the Republican sentiment is being dis- has been being displayed, that would probably be approved.
0: So now we go on to people who have been using Planned Parenthood and who continue to use Planned Parenthood as a, a health service. Under the Affordable Care Act, federal programs are reimbursing uh, Planned Parenthood for most of their services, both in the House bill and in the Senate bill. A one-year block would be placed on federal reimbursements for care provided by Planned Parenthood for reasons that are ridiculous that we can get into later.
1: Um, And I think I think an interesting we'll discuss the amendments process later, but currently the the really rushed amendments process is being debated that a lot of senators will not even consider voting for the bill unless Planned Parenthood funding is put back. Um, Suzanne Collins, you know, uh, that that was one of that that was one of her uh, main critiques of the bill as well. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, we've seen numerous, uh, you know, televised editions of speeches on the floor with people criticizing that decision. It's like abortion money does not come from the federal government, right? And we need to put that money back for cancer screenings and such,
0: All right? Um, and then people with disabilities, which is the majority of Medicaid money, goes to people with disabilities. Um, under the Affordable Care Act, people with disabilities can qualify for Medicare and Medicaid. And under the Senate bill, services covered by Medicaid could be cut as federal funding to states declines over time. The cuts would be larger than those in the House bill and spread out over a longer period of time. So basically, what that means is, we mentioned before that the federal government's going to to cut payments to states for Medicare and Medicaid, and that would then uh, curtail the states' ability to subsidize. Um, healthcare for individuals on those programs. And the same goes for people who use mental health services. Under the Affordable Care Act, people with mental health services were covered by all plans under essential health benefits. And under the Senate bill, Medicaid would not be required to cover mental health after 2019. For other types of insurance, requirements could change in states that request a waiver. Um, So it depends again on where you live, but under the umbrella of this Senate draft, Um, Medicaid would not be required to cover mental health after 2019.
1: Uh, Moving forward into the working poor on Medicaid, uh, currently under the Affordable Care Act, 31 states as well as D.C. offer expanded Medicaid coverage for the working poor. Um, In the Senate draft, the federal funding for Medicaid expansion phases out between 2021 and 2023. Now, in addition, eight states would have a trigger clause, which says that if the federal matching rate declines below the ACA's promised rate, the expansion disappears, which would affect Arkansas, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Montana, New Hampshire, New Mexico, and Washington. Further reductions beginning in 2025. Now, we've been talking about a lot of, you know, cuts to Medicare, Medicaid, you know, in order to pay for this bill. Um you know, kind of taking away the state-sponsored dollars. And then we get to the final phase here, where is how does this impact the wealthy? And under the Affordable Care Act, uh, uh, wealthy people and corporations would pay typically around 3.8% increase in taxes to help subsidize uh, Medicare and Medicaid and insurance premiums. Under the Senate draft, as well as the House bill, they didn't really change their mind on this, um, we would be repealing those taxes on corporations and the wealthy that used to help to pay for insurance subsidies and to make up for that loss, they're cutting Medicare and Medicaid.
0: Yeah, so it's a fair trade.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Seems reasonable.
0: So that's basically all the details in this bill. One thing that I want to make pretty clear that I've been trying to iterate on basically my Twitter feed <laughs> uh, <laughs> over the past few days is that even even after the House bill, this is not a healthcare... Like, this is not healthcare legislation. No. This is... It's, it's a few things. It's revenge against Obama for trying to pass universal health care. It's a giant tax cut for the donors of the Republican Party, the wealthiest Americans. Mm-hmm. And it is a massive redistribution of wealth, again, from the poor to the wealthiest Americans, all to fund
1: whatever they do.
0: Exactly. So calling this a health care bill is pretty—it's it's almost not correct, I'm not but seeing it, a lot
1: of health care going on here.
0: It doesn't really manage health care, what it does, and we'll get to this in a minute. it's It manages the subsidies and the taxes that are um, controlled by the Obamacare Affordable Care Act bill. And that's how they are able to make these edits and make these cuts to different funding locations like Medicare and Medicaid. They can make those cuts because they're cutting the funding, they're not editing the program. And again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're also going to talk about now the reaction to this bill from both sides of the aisle and pretty much both sides of the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, the two sides of the Republican Party are saying, one side is saying, the conservative wing is saying that it doesn't do enough to roll back the Affordable Care Act and all of those taxes and mandates and things like that they don't like that it doesn't roll back those enough because there are some things that stay intact like we mentioned and then the moderate side of the republican party is saying it does too much to cut medicaid Uh, they don't like that it cuts from planned parenthood things like that so each side of the republican party is kind of arguing with themselves over what's more important to them either repealing more of obamacare or saving more health care for people.
1: Hmm. I mean, to be fair, I mean, a lot of the Republican Party wasn't involved in the drafting of this bill. It was only written by like 13 people.
0: Oh yeah, no, it was was a minority, not only a minority of the Senate, but a minority of the Republican Party. Less, it was about a quarter of the Republican Party in the Senate. Um, 13 men, no women, 13 men that said nothing about this bill, didn't share it with anyone outside of this committee until about mid to late last week, on Thursday, in fact, is when it was revealed. So no one knew about it till then. They knew it would have some elements of the House bill in it, which was scary enough. People in the Republican Party, people who are leaders of the Republican Party, uh, or projected leaders, um, didn't even know what was in this.
1: And now that they do know, they're not happy with it. And now the people who wrote it without telling even their own party are shocked that people have questions. Right. They're
0: surpri- yeah, they're, they're surprised that people don't like it. As it stands right now, there are about four to five senators who have outwardly said that they would dis- that they disapprove of the Senate bill in its current form. Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party can only afford
1: two losses uh, of votes on the bill. And I was about to say, that's only four people who have outwardly said that they don't support it. I mean, we don't know if anybody else is on the fence. We're right. just not talking about it, but four people, four Republican senators openly oppose the bill.
0: Right, and that's, I'll, I'll say who they are right now. It's Rand Paul of Kentucky, Ted Cruz of Texas, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and Mike Lee of Utah. So these four people who have come out, um, uh, Dean Heller is the fifth, actually, of Nevada, who has come out and said that the... They are not in support of the bill in its current form. Mm-hmm. And there are some others who have gone on TV saying that they uh, question the bill. They have concerns about it. That's politicians speak for they're on the fence and mm-hmm. they don't want to commit either way. Right. Um, I know Susan Collins is one of those because she's uh, not happy with the bill. Oh, yes. um, but she she has yet to commit to it uh, or commit to a, a decision because she wants to see what edits are made to it uh, in the coming right. days.
1: Well, I uh, mean, the, in terms of the edits, I mean, they're they're going through an amendments process right now, but that's that's a long and complicated process, and Mitch McConnell wants them to vote on it by July 4th, right. not at time. And let's explain a little bit about the legislative
0: process and how it's going to work in this situation. Um, the Republicans only need a simple majority since they're using a process called reconciliation, and reconciliation in the Senate is when they vote on a measure that deals with spending regulations. It allows tax spending and debt limit adjustments. So uh, when they when they do budget nego- negotiations and raising the debt ceiling, things like that, this they're they're using reconciliation in this case because they're like we were mentioning before, they're editing how much money is allotted to
1: a certain program. In this case, it would be the Affordable Care Act
0: and so like health hel-
1: healthcare. Right. And like we said, it's not clearly according to the fact that they're using reconciliation. It's not about the healthcare. It's about the money exactly so they're they're rolling back the subsidies they're rolling back the
0: regulations and that's how they can use reconciliation um in a reconciliation case like i said they only need simple majority which means that they can only afford two republicans to to vote no on the bill and then mike pence the vice president would break the tie um assuming that he's on board with it Um, republicans are using this rule i think because they know that the bill will not get 60 votes if they tried to get it full repeal, Democrats are not going to go for this and they need um, they would need eight Democrats in that case. And I don't think that they're going to get that unless they make edits to the Affordable Care Act, which they're not willing to do. They want to repeal it. They want it out of there. Right. So they're not going to do that. And they're also not going to be able to put a bill that will satisfy both wings of their party and eight Democrats. So I think their 60 vote goal is just out of the question in this case, especially on the like on this bill. It, they have enough gridlock but this this bill will not any, any healthcare bill that tries to repeal Obamacare is not going to get 60 votes in, or in um, when the majority is this tight for the Republicans mm-hmm. so again we, we talked about uh, a few senators who are, are against the repeal of this or, or excuse me we talked about a few senators that are against this Senate bill in its current form um, on Sunday, Senator Ron Johnson He's a Republican, a conservative from Wisconsin He said, quote, I would like to delay the thing There's no way we should be voting on this next week, no way um, End quote And he said, and the reason he's saying that Is because Mitch McConnell's trying to vote, force a vote Before the 4th of July recess Which is at the end of this week right. It starts at the end of this week with this weekend
1: And how long are they on recess for?
0: I believe that recess is at least two weeks Um, but the reason they want to do it before then is because for the same reason that they wanted to write the bill in secret is that if they go home to their constituents and host town halls and meetings and things like that they're going to get berated with questions and they're going to get berated with angry uh, people who do not want to see this thing passed and right and rightfully so Um, that's what happened with the house bill that's what happened with several other issues that have been uh taken up this year and when congressmen and senators go home and host town halls in their home states they get like i said berated with questions and comments from constituents who are not happy with what they're doing
1: and that's when reporters start getting beat up yes it is or when money is shoved into politicians pockets which i thought was hilarious that one time right
0: why are the Republicans doing this? What what do they stand to gain out of passing a
1: bill that's so widely unpopular that it, it could cost them the next election? I think it, it seems to me as the Republicans have just, for some reason, have felt so disenfranchised by the Obama administration that they just... Need, it's kind of like with Donald Trump and all of his executive orders and his stupid, you know, his... Paris Accord decisions, and they just—they just, they just want to—they want to be in charge. They want to make choices, and they want to be the big boys who can do this. And we're going to show that guy. We're going to tell him what we think, and we're going to do this. And screw you. I'm going to take back everything you did just because I'm going to take my ball and go home. I'm going to write this bill all by myself, and you're just going to—we're just going to do it.
0: I mean, that's basically the philosophy of most of the party and the president right now.
1: It's just, if Obama did it, do the opposite. And, I mean, it's worked on a few things, but how long can they keep that up? Right. And, I mean, especially, I mean, the president, if he wants to sign executive orders and make, you know, liaison decisions, that's, that's his prerogative, I suppose. He's allowed to do that, but... With with something this massive, I mean, you can't take that level of pettiness and spite and move it into legislation this big. I mean, you can't really get around the fact that the Obama administration had, you know, more than enough hearings and amendments made to their clause, and the Republicans want to push this through with almost none, and then still claim that they were treated unfairly by the Obama administration, which is just a ton of bullshit.
0: Yeah, their they're, they're victim card of Obamacare's... Ridiculous regulations and the the wrath of the Obama administration is it's dwindling. Their 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 victimhood is dwindling.
1: and I mean you're absolutely right. I mean there are only so many times that they can claim that they were unfairly treated by the Obama administration before people start catching on that they're just playing the propaganda card. Right,
0: and some people are saying that maybe we should just let them pass it, and then in 2018. They'll be voted out of office, and we'll have the uh, we'll have the House, and maybe the Senate, or we'll have the Senate, and maybe the House. See, but or then maybe. if the
1: Democrats come back in and try to pass a new health care bill, it's going to be another eight months of a fair process, which the right. Republicans didn't allow this time. So we gotta we need to block it before it starts.
0: Right, and the the major argument against that, and it's something I agree with, is a political victory worth millions of people losing health insurance. Right, I the don't, power point. Yeah, I don't think that it is. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, is not really negotiable. It's not a political negotiation. People, People's lives are at stake here. So I don't think that that's a good argument for letting this happen. I think we still need to fight every single day to make sure that these Republican senators who are on the fence go to the right side of the fence. Um, and I saw an interesting article in Slate last week um, that was why Republicans are so intent to pass a bill that in a normal wood would spell their doom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just interesting to see that they were just relentless. Um and that article said, quote, If the health care bill becomes law, there's every indication that the Republican Party will suffer for passing it. It is already responsible for a substantial and so far enduring decline in the president's approval rating. And it is fueling grassroots opposition to the already unpopular Trump administration. So this is this is also Trump's baby. I mean, he he doesn't even know what's in it. But if it gets passed, it's that's stapled to his record. Right. And and he's going to have to he's going to have to talk about it if he wants to run again and if he wants to support these 2018 midterm elections. Mm -hmm. And the argument in this article is that the Republicans don't have the uphill battle in 2018. It's the Democrats who do. They've been on the losing streak. They've been struggling to send a message, build their base. They've been struggling to get people to the polls where Republicans have consistently for the past few, few years been able to take over the House and the Senate and legislatures and governorships, they've been on the up end. Um, so they're not in the uphill battle; they're on the defense, and that's why they're willing to take this risky move
1: because they're hoping that they can maintain it.
0: Yeah, they're hoping that they can. They're they're confident that they can keep the House
1: and the Senate and see this thing through. You know what I've been thinking recently is that uh, I don't want to. I don't want to give Mitch McConnell too much credit here. I don't want to. I don't want to feed his ego. That's already way too big. But I feel like Mitch McConnell has come out as sort of an aspiring, less subtle Frank Underwood kind of deal. Like I feel like he's been maneuvering this kind of thing for a long time. Yeah. And like he's been an annoyance for a long time. But like he's finally in a position of just he can do almost whatever he wants and like Mitch McConnell single-handedly could hypothetically put this bill through and it's, he's been i mean he's been annoying about it and people have seen right through him for a long time but he still managed it which is shocking
0: yeah and i think you know he's he is kind of like a frank underwood but he's a frank underwood of the senate and he right. he he is you know as horrible as a person he is he's very good at his job and he knows mm-hmm. how to get things done and he knows how to pass his agenda which is mm-hmm. what he's doing right now right um, one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, President Obama responded to the reveal of the health care bill on Thursday and he posted mm-hmm. a long thing on Facebook I'll mm-hmm. just read a short passage of it he said quote the senate bill unveiled today is not a health care bill it is a massive transfer of wealth from the middle class and poor families to the richest people in America It hands enormous tax cuts to the rich and to the drug and insurance industries paid for by cutting health care for everybody else. Those with private insurance will experience higher premiums and higher deductibles with lower tax credits to help working families cover the costs, even as their plans might no longer cover pregnancy, mental health care, or expensive prescriptions. Discrimination based on pre-existing conditions could become the norm again. Millions of families will lose coverage entirely. Um, and again, that's president Obama from Facebook, uh, no long post he made in response to the healthcare bill, but I think it's, he pretty much sums
1: it up pretty well in what this bill will do if it's passed. Right. And exactly. And I mean, if you guys haven't read Obama's post on Facebook, I highly encourage you to go check it out. It was a very, it was a very interesting and informative read, uh, from somebody who I consider to have always been a very wise politician with a lot of real world perspective, um, is a very good article.
0: So to finish out our healthcare talk, we can mention the new report from the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, that just scored the Senate bill that came out on Monday afternoon, um, and it said that 22 million people would be uninsured by 2026. It's only one million less than the 23 million from the House bill, which is only one less from 24 million by the first bill that was never ne- never came to a vote. Back in march so that's 22 million people that could be uninsured by 2026 from all the cuts in medicaid and medicare um, and the rollback on the obamacare subsidies and then next year alone 15 million more people would be uninsured compared with the current law according to the budget office Um, the legislation would decrease federal deficits by a total of 321 billion dollars over a decade uh, according again to the budget office and this comes just a few hours after the, the senators who crafted this bill edited it to have a new tax that would punish people who went more than six months without having insurance as a way to curtail them from
1: waiting till they get sick to have insurance. So now the real question, Paul, is what do we do next? Um, you know, if you if you guys have strong opinions about this bill, as Glenn and I do, uh, you know, I mean, the, the best and basically the only thing that we can really do about it at this point, Mitch McConnell is intent on getting this thing through with as minimal input as possible. So what we, I mean, if you don't want to see this bill pass, you just got to bother the crap out of your senators, guys. Give them a call, you know, check to see which way your senator's leaning. If you live in a red state check check and take a look at that they're probably on on the side of the bill just because we've only got four people speaking against it um if you live in a democratic state bother them anyway you know let them know uh flood them you know they're gonna at least their executive assistants are gonna hear your voicemails and read your emails so you know there's gonna be a vibe going if they don't listen to it themselves but you know you just get your voice heard put it out there it's the best that we can do right now so that's all the time we have this week for PG-13 with
0: Paul and Glenn. Again, go bother your senators. Don't let this health care bill be passed. Um, if you want to join in our discussions, you can follow us on Twitter at PG-13 Podcast or like us on Facebook, at, again, at PG-13 Podcast. Remember to follow us on SoundCloud and listen to our podcasts on iTunes and subscribe there as well, and we will talk to you guys
1: next week.